0: So, I'm at home. And I'm at home as well. This has to be the worst year ever to decide to give up drinking.
1: And the unusual thing is, it looks like I've given up drinking as well. Welcome to Wet and
0: Dry, a podcast about male drinking culture, sobriety, midlife crisis, pubs and friendship. (laughs) Now... This is the bit where you usually <laughs> say that you're wet, Matt, but I think we need to, from the get-go, explain your statement there.
1: Well, well I mean, it, it's come as something as a shock, hasn't it? Um, especially as I've been the uh, drinker of the pack. I haven't had a drink for, well, since we, the last time I had a drink was a Friday. We did the, uh, the teacher's thing that we talked about in the last, last podcast. How long ago is that? Three weeks ago. No, it's not. Oh, two, no, weeks ago. two
0: weeks ago. I've lost all track of time. I don't know what day it is.
1: Yeah, we have talked about this in the past. For me, I never drink at home. That was because I spent a lot of time out in the pub and I haven't had a drink at home yet. I am currently as dry as you are. I mean, how long is it before I officially class as dry? I mean, you're there already.
0: I think the, <laughs> the surprising thing is, though, because, you know, we have this rule about me still drinking anything under one percent i think that means that in the last fortnight you're dry <laughs> and i'm comparatively
1: fit. <laughs> who'd have thought this would have happened when we started this out i mean i am gonna have to look at, at my my whole life view on drinking at home there's no way i can keep this up and I, 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 but, but even things like people say let's go on a house party and have a drink that doesn't appeal to me because that's still me at home looking at a computer screen, drinking. That's just like watching telly and doing it. I miss the social contact.
0: Well, I bumped into one of our friends in the street the other day. I was in the queue for Little. Were you two meters away? Yeah, I was in the queue for Little, yeah. and he was stood in the middle of the road, so we were a good few meters away. But yeah, we said, you know, should we? Shall I give you a Zoom call? Should we join house party? Should we have a drink sometime? And he had that same kind of.
1: It's just not the same, is it? (laughs) You know the two metre rule, the social distancing rule? Yeah. Do you remember, I think it's called Crossy Road now, but it was called Frogger when we were kids. Yeah. And you had to move on to different, you saw something coming, you jumped onto another path then onto a log, then back again. When I go out, I feel like I'm playing Frogger. I'm now, if I, I can see people ahead of me, I'm moving to the middle of the road. If someone's on the other side, I move to the other side and back again. And I'm getting better at it now. I'm moving when they're about 20 metres away in order to keep the social distancing. It's like a massive game of Frogger going on when you go out. I saw
0: someone suggest the other day that pavements become like roads. You walk on the left (laughs) and you never have that issue with someone coming towards you and the awkward, one of us has to step into the road here, which I quite like. And then... Tesco, I noticed, are doing one-way routes around their stores. You have to follow the arrows. So I don't know if you get to the end and you go, oh, I forgot the eggs. Do you have to go back to the start or do you you check out
1: first? No, that's it. You're out. You're out. The pressure
0: on that shopping list is quite intense. Well, I'm going to
1: come on to this in a minute, actually, because there's a couple of things I wanted to talk to you about. But, I mean, I always listen to our last podcast before the new podcast, Get Me In The Mood. And you kind of referenced in the last one, we'd gone from a pub, So we did the last one in my living room, two metres apart. And you said we may not see each other again. You know, we are now doing this on Zoom. I can see you drinking your I love tooting coffee. Yeah. But it's a bit weird, isn't it?
0: The surprising thing is how quickly we've got used to it, actually. I Yeah, I guess so. A friend of mine posted a, a clip on YouTube yesterday and as it started, my immediate thought was, God, look how close you're sitting to that person. And the clip was from four years ago.
1: Someone else I saw said that they saw a sex scene on a show the other day. And the only thing they could think about was, look how close they are. Look how close they are.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know people are using this phrase, but it's absolutely the new normal.
1: So we are in a in a different world now. And like you say, we are getting used to it. But this podcast is about drinking and you're not drinking i always ask you the question i'm going to ask it again now but i'm also going to add something to it which you touched on in the last one a are you still dry b how is that for you at the moment because when you gave up drinking you probably never expected a massive global pandemic that does put a lot of stress on people how is it are you still managing because cooped up in a in a house with kids we're worries about work. We're worried about pressures of what's going to happen. Have you reached for a bottle or are you finding it harder now? Even though pubs have shut, are you finding it harder still not to drink? I know I'm not drinking, but I can break that any time I want and I will. You can't.
0: <laughs> uh, honestly, I've swung both ways on this over the last week. I agree with you. You know, this is a really testing time. And I don't know about you, but... You know, I just sort of have a base level of anxiety that doesn't go away at the moment. It's fine when you're busy, but when you get those quiet moments of the day, especially when you get into bed in the evening and it's quiet and you lay there and you just go, oh, that's what that feeling of sickness I've had all day is. It's just the anxiety.
1: (laughs) I've been going to bed so early. I'm in bed by about nine o'clock at the moment and up really early. It's weird.
0: The good thing about going to bed at nine is you don't have to watch the 10 o'clock news just before you go to bed. That's not a good idea. I completely advise against it. So, yeah, the anxiety is there all of the time. I did notice, did you see the story about the WHO saying, you know, don't reach for the bottle? So the the World Health Organization came out and said, look, this is a really anxious time. And we would make people aware of drinking too much. We'd ask national governments to remind people what the advisory is on weekly units consumption because you know this is a time when all our norms go out the window you know yeah you you sort of jokingly see people home lesson today taught my kids to mix a cocktail and you know (laughs) don't have to wait for work to finish to open a bottle of wine here it is at midday you have a
1: nation of alcoholics if they're not careful
0: well that's what the who is conscious of that this new normal just creates a sort of breeding environment for drinking so i definitely think if i wasn't doing this dry year, I would have drunk more in the last week than I normally would have done. So I'm almost grateful at the moment for having this experiment that is at the moment still a locked gate stopping me from doing that. I have drunk an awful lot more alcohol-free alternatives this week. I have had... One or two alcohol-free beers every night. I've had a sort of non-gin and tonic, including the one I can see on the table in front of you.
1: We're going to taste that in a minute, aren't
0: we? Yeah, I've had one of those pretty much every day as well. And I'm weirdly, I guess, and this is all part of the experiment, but I am finding a strange comfort in the normality of having a beer, even though it's not beer.
1: From an experiment point of view as well, um, and I'm not going to pretend that we're the most scientific people in the world, but a lot of people, when they want to give up drinking from a year, when we talked about it, when anxiety comes, you know, can I get through that? There has never been more anxiety and stress coming in people's lives since World War II. From a scientific experiment point of view, if you can get through this, however long this is, and we don't know, you can get through anything. And probably people listening in, if they're thinking about doing it, you can get through this. And it kind of makes that a little bit bigger,
0: I think. I don't think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I joined a few Facebook groups right at the start of this process. One is called Sober UK. You know, there's sort of 10,000 people on there who for one reason or another have either given up or are taking a lengthy period off. And, you know, I, those they sort of sit in the background on my Facebook page and you occasionally see the odd comment come up in a timeline. Until the last week when it's suddenly been every time I've gone on, there's (laughs) dozens of these messages. And they are either people who are really grateful in a similar position to the one I just described, I guess, who are really grateful for the fact they're not drinking because they all say, if I was still drinking, this would have been an absolutely, you know, epic week of alcohol for me. Or there are people who are really struggling to not go back to it in this environment. and I can imagine. We're both in a reasonably similar position. We've got lots of kids to look after at home. <laughs> you know, you've still got work to do. So we are busy. I think the thing I'm glad I'm not at the moment, and I've got, you know, lots of friends and colleagues who are in this situation, is living on your own with absolutely nothing to do. You're furloughed or you're suddenly unemployed or, or whatever your situation You've got nothing to do except watch daytime telly all day. And you must get to about three o'clock in the afternoon and go,
1: I'm having a drink. Yeah,
0: drink then. Yeah. So it's really tough. And I know alcohol is only one element of it. But a week in, and to answer your question, finally, (laughs) I am still dry. And I think grateful for that. Well done. Well done. Let's talk about you for a second because you famously on this podcast don't drink at home and that I don't, is no. currently your only option. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 is. it is still within it, the legal advice to take a drink out with you on your daily walk around the common. But I think park bench drinking is just about below you. Only
1: just, so... only just. It was looking more appetising the other day when I was out. I was thinking, could I, if I get up early and I don't see anybody, could I become a street drinker? Yeah, at the moment I haven't had a drink in the house. Um But I haven't felt the need to yet. I haven't felt the need, such is the draw, obviously to me. That's not saying I haven't walked past pubs longingly. I found myself taking a picture of one the other day, just so I could look at it in the house. Um, I have a feeling we should do something when I break that. We should either have an episode. Uh, I know we're having Bruce on from Eat, Sleep, Work, Repeat. Whether when we do the episode with him, We have a drink kind of as a breakthrough, something like that. But um, I think everyone wants us to get back to normal as as soon as possible. I I think we agree with that, don't we?
0: Amen. Why don't we have a drink now? Because there is one in front of you. And let's make this, (laughs) uh, you know, if this is the only way we're going to meet, we may as well have a drink while we do it.
1: Are we going to drink the Cotswold Green Number 1?
0: Yes, expertly done. Cotswold Green Number 1 is... A completely non-alcoholic gin alternative, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at it now. Well, we sent this.
0: Yeah, we got contacted by the company actually inviting us down different days (laughs) to their (laughs) distillery to talk about it.
1: Can I just say, uh, and I know you always have a go at me for time checking. But the time is 20 to 12, and I know it's non-alcoholic, but it does seem something quite decadent about me opening a fresh bottle of gin at 20 to 12 on Sunday. It's just the new normal, but I'm going to do it anyway.
0: What's even worse is the clocks went forward last night, so it feels <laughs> like 20 to 11.
1: <laughs> you know what I must say about low-alcohol and non-alcoholic gins? Their packaging is very good. So this is Cotswold Green Number 1. It looks beautiful. Can I just say the bottle is absolutely magnificent.
0: Quite a satisfying experience because the only gin I've been having recently is the Hayman's Small Gin, which comes in. And I know it's That's an unfortunate measure. phrase, but it comes in a sort of child sized bottle. Yes. So this I found quite a satisfying pouring experience of a yeah, litre bottle of what looks like i myself a very
1: large one.
0: <laughs> I don't think that's a bad thing. Look at the size of that. So I've done, um, let's call it research on this and had a couple already. I think you need at least a double.
1: I've got a double in now. I'm pouring in my tonic.
0: And what tonic have you gone for there, Matt? Schweppes. Schweppes.
1: Slimline. Oh,
0: Slimline. I've gone for a Slimline tonic. Well, we're all getting less exercise, aren't we? Do you, do you mind if I just
1: go and get some ice?
0: You go. I'll just play this and we'll be back in a second.
1: a good double in, as you suggested you're right or is very nice it looks lovely i've got some ice a bit of slimline tonic in and i've now got a little slice of lime in so shall i have a taste
0: very good go for it i mean while you're tasting that i will say i noticed on the bottle it also suggests a slice of grapefruit which a grapefruit is one of those things that two weeks ago felt like a perfectly normal thing to have in your house and now just feels like something completely decadent.
1: That's very refreshing. Yeah, it definitely tastes like gin. I really like that. It's good. Well done, Cotswold Green. Hopefully we'll get to go and see them one day. I'd like to go and see them because it's done something with that. There's a slightly different flavour to your normal gin, but it's good. I could drink this in a pub.
0: You know what? I feel the table's turning.
1: I like non-alcoholic drinks. You're drinking once <laughs> a bit of alcohol in. I am coming through a stride. Who'd, have, who'd have predicted
0: that by March we'd completely swapped roles?
1: <laughs> well done. Thanks for sending it. I'll definitely drink more of this. I, I can heartily recommend it.
0: I'd say you've got to ration yourself to about a drink a week. <laughs> we could be here for a while.
1: We were talking earlier about how things have changed. I think we all want life to get back to normal, and anyone who's especially on the front line or a key worker, Definitely does. I, I did my clapping on Thursday night and I'll, I'll do it next Thursday. I'm sure you did too. Yeah. But there are two things so far that I don't want to change when it goes back. The first one is I am quite enjoying, and this probably only applies to parents, not doing so many clubs. I think we've got to this keeping up the Joneses when we do so many clubs. I think they're doing more at home. I think they're enjoying more things. I am not going back to 3,000 clubs. Pick a couple and do it and have a bit more time at home
0: and when you are doing one there's no reason why you can't do it over zoom we've, exactly. to, we've both got the same guitar teachers for our kids <laughs> we have and we've both done a remote guitar lesson this week once it was going I thought this is the way forward you just log on do, it is- your, do your lesson you don't have to come around here Absolutely perfect. Save me a fortune in biscuits.
1: <laughs> and you didn't have to make a cup of tea, which you always do. I'm out of tea, especially after spending all day trying to kick a tea bag into a cup to re Harry Winks, which you made me do, which I may add I did. The second thing that I want to keep, and this is more controversial, I want to keep the food shortages. Okay. Because going shopping before was just dull, yeah? Now... I'm like a hunter. I'm like a caveman out shopping. The other day, I came back with bananas. We've been out of bananas. My wife did a dance in yeah. the garden. Called the kids around. Look what your dad's found. He's found bananas. It's like i would struck oil. We got the bananas and we put them on the table. Everyone looking at them. I don't want any sausages. No sausages. I got some really khaki frankfurters. And look, they've been on the shelf. The look of it. And look, we've managed to get the Frankfurters, though. I know they're not so they're like sausages. When I come back, we empty out our shopping. I've gone to two or three different stores. It's made shopping exciting. I feel like I've achieved when I've come back. I never got that before. It's a great new experience. I like it. You get the list, you don't know what you're gonna get, but if you get four or five, people are excited for you.
0: It's brilliant timing that Ready Steady Cook is back on the TV right now because (laughs) any meal time is just like, okay, I've got five ingredients. What are we making with these?
1: We're living in Ready Steady Cook. It's not a TV program anymore. It's life. It's reality. I think the next
0: time I see my grandparents, I will be able to compare life now with life in the Blitz. I mean, if I... Describe this morning, we've had, you know, we've cobbled together (laughs) a brunch. I've
1: seen your breakfast, man. I've
0: seen it. We cobbled together a brunch this morning, but there was no parsley. So we had to have our smashed avocado without, and yeah, we had we had the chorizo and the poached eggs and the and the hash browns and the and, and the toasted like the sourdough, in but London, isn't it? we had no parsley, Matt. So the struggle is real. I understand what they went through. It's tough. We'll get through it.
1: Should we talk about the guests we've got coming on? It seems rude not to. We've got coming on Chris Dyson, who is a landlord at our local, the Rose and a magnificent pub. Yeah, he's basically
0: Um, our Peggy Mitchell.
1: He is our Peggy Mitchell. I always wanted to do this one because we had our first, we recorded our first ever podcast in there, in the garden. We also, a lot of the stories we tell are based in the Rose and Crown. And I had this idea of me, you and him, shooting the breeze, laughing, telling great stories, then getting drunk together. But now I think it's an important one too because Pubs are going to hit by this massively. We don't know when we'll reopen. And all that work has gone into making this wonderful pub. How is he going to keep going? So I think this is a very important episode too. And it's probably replicated from fantastic pubs up and down the country that have done such great job to build up their client base and provide a social, coherent, base for the community and what are they going to do
0: it's the closest I have ever come in my life to having a central perk yeah so it's on my route home it's between the tube and where I live so I walk past it's got you know big windows in the front of it and on many occasions I've walked past seen someone I know inside and gone in and said hello and that is a At the heart, I think, of a community pub. And they're not people I know from the pub. They're just people I know around here from school or, like you say, kids clubs or neighbours. And if I see them, I will go in and say hello. There is now an amazing sense of community in there. And I think one of the loveliest things I've seen since we've all been in lockdown, the big A board out the front of the pub, when they closed, they basically put their telephone number on it and said, look, we've got nothing to do if you need someone to talk to give us a shout.
1: Not only did they do that, but they also leafleted all the local roads with that same message. It's just the best example to me of someone who has updated what a local should be and done it brilliantly. And I worry that all that work could get... I hope it won't, but I'd like to see what his view is on that as well. So as much as I think we need to talk to him a little bit about that, I I also would like to know his view on coronavirus and what's going on with it.
2: (laughs)
0: Chris, the landlord from our local, Crown, is on the Zoom call with us now. Welcome to the new way of doing things, Chris. Thank you, thank you. Now, we've chatted a bit before you joined us about the current situation. Just fill us in. I mean, how is it for you at the moment?
2: Obviously, we saw things happening around us and we were just sort of waiting for things to happen, really. Um, Just... I don't know, partly in denial maybe, it, was it gonna happen, was it not gonna happen? I think uh, we're all trying to carry on life as as normally as possible, but then obviously the Prime Minister decides to but doesn't actually make the call not to close the pubs and that would put us in a very bizarre situation, to be honest with you. When he did say it on the Friday, at least at least it gave us some clarity. And uh, with with the 80% of wages that was covered and then, then we were in an okay place to do it. It's, it's, it's a sad, sad, sad times when you're closing the pub. It's not really supposed to close. It closes for Christmas and that's it, you know. So, yeah, it, it, it wasn't particularly happy, but um, we were obviously talking to the team all, all, on a weekly basis, trying to communicate with them as much as possible and hopefully we're looking for it to be sure to live rather than going on for forever and ever.
1: I think even before you shut, I saw outside you were you were taking measures already. You moved the tables aside; people couldn't stand at the bar. Once you said those seats were full, no one was coming in. So you were you were being responsible before you had to, which I think I, I just saw your pub doing that. And also, you know, the fact that you put outside you can phone our number. Hats off to you guys! So it, that's what a local should be. I it mean, it's fantastic.
2: Hundred percent. You know, we, we first and foremost we're part of the community, and when The community itself is put under strange situations like this and the pub normally should be there for them. And it's very sad that we're not able to do that this time and be be there for everyone to, you know, unite on the other side of the bar, basically.
1: (laughs) Yeah, which is what you normally do in a crisis, isn't it? Head to the pub, have a pint, feel together.
2: Yeah, 100%. The biggest concern to Matt
0: is your stock. I mean, how long does it last? (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: And do you need me to help come and drink it if it's going out of date? I'm available.
2: (laughs) Potentially, potentially. At the minute, generally most things have got uh, two to three months on them. So it's very much about how long this goes on for as as far as what happens with the stock we've got. But even even then, when we do reopen, it's going to be still quite tight. So yeah, we'll probably have to work out how to plan it out really. Just look at the dates, get the stock that's going out date first on bar first. Obviously, we've got quite a few taps here. So just being thoughtful about it really. And then if it is going on I mean, we don't want to be throwing stuff away at the end of the day. So if there's a way to get rid of it somehow or other, we'll, we'll look into that for sure.
0: When there's a news story about either low alcohol uh, or people <laughs> giving up alcohol or just alcohol in general, they send it to us at the moment. So the two that have been doing the rounds this week are the Czech Republic. The beer that they were held is starting to go off. And so they're starting to just drop cans on people's doorsteps as this kind of early weird version of the Easter Bunny, I think. And then the other story is that if your beer does go off, the way that you have to destroy it to be able to reclaim the, or not pay the duty on it is you have to destroy it and film it being destroyed. Is that true?
2: I mean, I've seen I've the seen post of it going up. We've not been told to do that as a company yet. I don't think that's true. I think some people are just showing how much, how much beer they're having to throw away more than anything else and putting it online. From what I can gather... I'm, I'm, I'm I hope not anyway, because I've not filmed anything <laughs> so far. As far as uh, the Czech Republic's concerned, it's, uh, I, I'm feeling quite a lot for the breweries at the minute, because they've probably even got a harder task than we've got. They've obviously been brewing beers ahead of time, so they'd have a lot of stock to get rid of. And you know, and we're still getting the emails through as well from, <laughs> from the from the breweries. They're just carrying on kind of as normal to a certain what, degree.
1: What, trying to, trying to give you more stock?
2: Yeah, that- yeah, yeah. And you're saying, uh... there's
1: only so much you can drink on your own, isn't there?
2: (laughs) I mean, I'm doing my best, I'm doing my best.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Running a successful pub, I think it's a much underrated skill. A lot of pubs I think that shut down is because people aren't good at it. You guys, I think, have taken the idea of a local, which was maybe 1970s old men sat in the corner, and refreshed it to a 21st century local, yeah? The stuff, yeah. you know, there's mums coming with their kids on Monday night half-price pizza. You've done Halloween parties. Yet at night, it's adult. You can watch the sport there. It's clean. It's safe. So what you've done is, I think, is, and it's a massive kudos to you, recreated, updated the local. You've done all that hard work. Are you worried that when this comes back, you've got to do that again? Or do you hope, and I hope, and I think it is true, that you will have that kind of People will be waiting to get back to
2: you. I'm pretty confident we're, people are going to be wanting to go to the pub when all this is over, to be honest with <laughs> um, you. I think, I mean, it was even talk about an opening week rather than an opening day. <laughs> Making the most out of it.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes.
2: I mean, that's the, that's the only good thing about all of this, is that I just can't wait to get the pub back open again. I'm sure people will be gagging to go to the pub. I'm expecting a pretty busy couple of weeks when we first open.
1: do you you know when we won the second world war we had victory in europe day ve day are you going to have cv day coronavirus victory day all in the streets kissing sailors jumping
2: around (laughs) (laughs) i mean we'd have to find some sailors from somewhere I (laughs) i think there will be a little bit of that i don't know it depends on how progressive it is whether everything all starts together at the same time or whether it's just a general progression but i think I wouldn't be surprised. I was talking to Mother Half about this earlier. I wouldn't be surprised if, if the pubs and, and restaurants, etc. cetera, shutting first. I wouldn't be surprised if the, the last ones to reopen again. But I think when the pubs do reopen again, that, that will be a statement to we're back to normality again. So, yeah, I think people will be more than happy to come and have a few beers.
0: Can I talk a minute about uh, your non-alcoholic offerings? And we've talked about there being this trend for people drinking less or drinking different things. As the first publican that we've had on this podcast, have you noticed that trend?
2: It's definitely, yeah, it's definitely very interesting. It starts off with people doing the dry January and then the October and things like that. So there's definitely periods of the year, which <laughs> I think they tend to come after session so after Christmas (laughs) everyone has a dry January, after summer everyone has a dry October but I think there is more of a trend going towards it, Um, the breweries are definitely supplying more options definitely of the low alcohol the the 2.3% type, 2.5% to 3.5% beers are are out there for sure the non-alcohol or low alcohol beers as well the the market's growing and growing, it's getting quite interesting because there was a lot of there's a long period of time where it was, you know, you could get the Bex Blue <laughs> and that was, or, and or whatever rubbish was <laughs> behind the bar there. And, and that was, I remember when I've done a bit of non-drinking in the past, like buying two bottles of Bex Blue, pouring it in a pine glass and pretending it was real. <laughs> uh, it didn't <laughs> quite work. Well. I think <laughs> the quality of these beers, the non-alcohol ones, are getting really, really good now. And you, you can't necessarily tell the difference. Not quite there, but yeah. Not, not far it,
1: Funny enough, we did, just before we did our first episode of this podcast, we did our planning meeting in your pub, and it was in January. You had one on tap that you, you poured, to all intents and purposes, it looked like, uh, and it didn't, because Jeff had, I had a sip of it. I wasn't going <laughs> to try January. Don't be ridiculous. But I had a sip, and it wasn't too bad. It wasn't as good as normal beer, but it wasn't too bad.
2: Yeah, it's getting there. I think one of the issues I've got with it, at the minute is the, the price point is coming in at you, you. You're basically paying the same amount for a, a, an alcoholic beer as you are a non-alcoholic beer. And that doesn't seem to quite make sense in, in, in my head, especially some of them are even more expensive as well. So I think that, that that's probably one of the areas that need to, to focus. I'm not saying it should be the same as a soft drink, but I think it should be hitting somewhere in between those two prices for me. And then I think it, it, it's got more potential.
1: Do you it, get sick of people like Jeff giving up booze?
2: <laughs> as long as you're still coming to the pub, as long as we're <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs>
1: don't want too many of them though, ruining it for the rest of us with their non drinking malarkey.
2: They tried it up in Manchester, didn't they? These sort of like these, these actual bars which just, just did non alcoholic everything across the line. I don't, I don't... call a cafe. <laughs> yeah, what I do selling it as a bar, is more of a, a bar idea.
0: I've only come across one pub so far that had no non-alcoholic beers. But as you know, inside the industry, do you think it's coming that all pubs will have to have a non-alcoholic beer?
2: I think pubs tend to adapt to what the market is more than anything else. I don't need to think you have to force that. I think if there's a call for it then generally pubs will start stocking it. And that's that's. Tend to, we have, we're, we're very trend driven, you know, we, we, we're currently switching from the gin trend onto the spice rum trend at the minute. And in a few years time, that'll be changing again. So, you know, it's, it's, it's just constantly changing. I think pubs just do tend to adapt to it and it'll happen kind of fluidly.
0: I'm intrigued by spice rum. What are we all going to be drinking when we eventually get out of our homes and back to the pub?
2: So it's uh, a lot of spice rum and tonics is, uh, is kind of the trend where the trend's going with that. So it's very much like what they were doing with the gin and tonics. So not, not necessarily the big goblet glasses anymore, but it will be different spice rooms. And then it's about the garnishes being a bit different as well. So uh, botanical sort of flavors maybe, uh, herby flavors, things like that.
0: I'm game. I mean, I, not until next January, <laughs> but, um,
2: but I'll be there. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. it's going to be good. It's going to be good.
1: When we get back, when we get back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the only thing I just want to say, Chris, is from the people of Tooting, can I thank you and your bar staff for a brilliant pub and also for what you've done since coronaviruses has come. I'm also looking forward to the coronavirus victory CV day <laughs> in the Rose and Crown, And just so you know, I'm sure you did it to everyone, clapped for all our NHS staff, and that's brilliant. But I'm going to be yeah. clapping some nights for the bar staff of this world, for what they do for us as well. So thank you, Chris, and thanks for coming on, mate. And I hope all your staff stay safe and healthy and look forward to coming back and having a drink with you, mate. Thank you very much.
0: Chris, we normally finish our podcast, me and Matt raise a glass and just say cheers, but I think we should include (laughs) you on this one. So Matt, Chris, cheers. Cheers.
1: Cheers. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs)